So glad you guys were able to make it today. I know uh, spring break started for a bunch of the students. Glad you guys could still come for those who are still around. And thank you for joining us online as well. Okay, 1 Corinthians 12, 1 through 12. This is God's word. You can follow along. It'll be up on the screen in the back and, of course, on your screen at home. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit, and there are varieties of service, but the same Lord, and there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. For just as the body is one, has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we give you all the glory, and we thank you so much for that very tender and powerful time of worship. Thank you for your presence that is always with your church. And thank you, Lord God, that there is much to the Christian life, including spiritual gifts, that you have gifted each and every one of your children, and you want us to know what these gifts are and to utilize them for the blessing of others, for the building up of the church. And so, Lord God, we want to walk in them. We want to mature in them. So, Lord God, thank you so much. We give you all the glory. Please speak through this word, O God. Please hide me behind your presence and behind your word, and please open people's hearts wide to receive. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, praise God. Well, last week we began a whole new series on spiritual gifts, and the reason why we're looking at spiritual gifts is because the theme of this year is that uh, be the church. And so why are spiritual gifts important in being the church? Well, it's because without spiritual gifts, the church cannot function. It simply cannot function. It'd be like removing the spark plugs out of your car. The engine can no longer function. That happened uh, recently, just the other week. We had some malfunctioning spark plugs. We went all the way to L.A., and we almost didn't make it back. And so it simply cannot function. The church needs spiritual gifts. They are vital to the functioning of the body. So imagine one day if you woke up and your hand ceased to be the hand, or if your eyes ceased to be the eye, or if your kidney ceased to be the kidney, or if your heart ceased to be the heart, what would happen? You don't have to go to medical school to know this, right? You would be dead. And so I wonder how many churches un- end up spiritually dead and physically shut down. How? Well, could it be that one reason is because no one in that church understood nor used their spiritual gifts? That might be one reason. So Paul makes this point so clear, but he said in verse 12, For just as the body is one, as many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ and his church. We are the body of Christ. We all have a function. How do you know your function? Know your spiritual gift. So spiritual gifts are vital for the functioning of the church, 
And yet, they are also one of the most misunderstood parts of the Christian life. I remember somebody I know who was not a believer at that time was meeting up with a pastor. And this is something that came up in their conversation, spiritual gifts. And this person that I know said to the pastor, Oh, I know about spiritual gifts. They're kind of like superpowers, right? I guess some Christians get their theology from Marvel movies, but this is kind of his idea of spiritual gifts. It's like they're superpowers. And the pastor, to his credit, said, uh, no, not exactly. They're not superpowers. So spiritual gifts are vital to the functioning of the church, and yet a lot of people don't understand them. They're easily misunderstood. In fact, all of us sitting here, we all probably have some misunderstandings, and I say that including myself. Okay, there are probably some views you have on spiritual gifts that are unbiblical, and I do as well. And this is why it is so important that we must study what the scripture have to say about spiritual gifts. Because if we don't, then two things will happen. You're either going to ignore them or you will abuse them. Those are the only options. So it is out of real necessity that we're going through this week after week. We must understand spiritual gifts. Again, if you don't, you're going to ignore them or abuse them. And this is what happened in the Corinthian church. Paul said, you have zeal but no knowledge. Why? Because they were going bonkers over spiritual gifts. There was a group of people in that church that were just obsessed with the gift of speaking in tongues, perhaps even prophecy. And so they were just debating the whole time, who has this gift? Who doesn't have this gift? Who has more? Who has less? And so they were just obsessing over them. And those who had it were using it improperly in the worship service. So even those who actually had it and were functioning, they weren't doing it right. So you couldn't imagine a more chaotic situation in a church. And let me ask you this. But if you were Paul, and now you have to address this church, if this is a church that you love, maybe you even started this church, how would you address this problem of them going bonkers over spiritual gifts? Well, if it was me, I know what I would do. I would just shut the whole thing down, right? No more spiritual gifts for you. right? It's kind of like taking away the bottle. You know, like little babies, like sucking on that too much. Like, no more bottle for you. Or if you're not like me, maybe you might say, well, at a minimum, right, you just need to back off. Corinthians, back off. Okay, chill out with spiritual gifts. Maybe we'll just come back to it next year. Sounds pretty reasonable, right? And yet, that's not what Paul said. Okay, look at what Paul said. But he told the Corinthian church, brothers and sisters, do not be ignorant about spiritual gifts. And then what did he say? Okay, this blows my mind and yet eagerly desire them. So don't be ignorant about them, but eagerly desire them. What? Eagerly desire them? Right, that's not what I would have told them. And yet Paul did. Why? Because this is how important spiritual gifts are. And you really see that in Paul's commands. See, even with all the abuse, and we're talking about the abuse of charismatic, miraculous gifts. We're talking about the speaking of tongues. And yet, Paul said, I don't want you to be uninformed about these gifts, and yet, I don't want you to throw them away either. Eagerly desire the gifts in the proper way. Again, why? Why would Paul say that to a church already obsessing over them? Because they're vital. They are vital. He knew that the church simply can't function without the gifts. So no amount of abuse of spiritual gifts, even the miraculous gifts, is justification to throw them out. And so Paul didn't throw them out, and neither should we. Amen? So neither should we. So what we need to do is we need to 
hear Paul's commands in a fresh new way. So today I say them again to our church, but brothers and sisters, do not be ignorant about spiritual gifts, but rather eagerly desire them. They're good. They're from God. Desire them in the right way. So today we're going to continue where we left off last week. And what I said last week is, instead of just kind of talking about them generally, I want to go through some questions. I thought about what's the best way to kind of give a good overview But I think going through key questions and answering them would be the most helpful. So last week, we started looking at seven questions on spiritual gifts. Here they are. Why are spiritual gifts necessary? What are spiritual gifts? Who has spiritual gifts? Can you lose your spiritual gift? How many spiritual gifts are there? Are the miraculous gifts still here today? And how do I discover my spiritual gifts? These are the seven questions. And so last week, we started by talking about the first one. Why are they necessary? We're not going to review that. You can find that online. But today, what I want to do is I want to look at the next three questions. So last week was one. Today, we're going to look at three. But what are spiritual gifts? Who has spiritual gifts? And finally, can you lose your spiritual gifts? Okay, this is so vital. Again, this is vital for the function of the church. So first, what are spiritual gifts? Are they superpowers? (laughs) Right? The moment you become a Christian, does God zap you and now you have the superpower that you didn't have before? Kind of like that one person that I know. Okay, is there some heightened ability that you suddenly receive and now you're just flowing in this kind of magical power? And in all honesty, I kind of believed that at one point. Okay, I, I kind of saw them as superpowers. And I'm not referring to that person that I mentioned earlier as myself. I know some people do that. They go, oh yeah, I know this person, right? And they're really talking about themselves. That's not me, right? That person actually was another person. But I did have that belief. Okay, I thought spiritual gifts were kind of like superpowers. Okay, okay, yeah, God, you you gave us superpowers. Okay, what kind of powers did you give us? But they're not that. So again, that pastor was correct in saying, no, they're not like superpowers, the kind you see in movies. And I'm not sure exactly what reasons he gave, but I believe he was correct. And here's why. It's because a heightened ability, and we're going to get more into what spiritual gifts are, but that's what they are. They're heightened abilities. But a heightened ability, the kind you see in movies, are usually just random occurrences, right? Think (laughs) Spider-Man. They're just random occurrences. It just happens to these people, and then they get these abilities. And once these abilities are theirs, it becomes something that they can control, and they can use it at any time. And so that's the kind of ability that we see in movies. Again, think about your favorite superhero. But in contrast, spiritual gifts are not that. They are not random occurrences. And once you have them, they are not under your control in terms of strength and intensity and effectiveness. You can just do whatever you want with them and you get the results you want. That is not how spiritual gifts work. But rather, spiritual gifts are utterly dependent on your relationship with the triune God. I'll say that again. Spiritual gifts are utterly dependent on your relationship with God. And I say the triune God because Paul makes it clear, all three persons of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, are involved in giving you gifts and working through these gifts. So once we become a child of God through repentance and faith in Christ, God in his wisdom, God according to his sovereign purpose and will, will give you a spiritual gift and likely more than one gift. But he decides what you get. He decides when you get it. And he decides how effective they're going to be as you begin to use them in relationship 
with him. But all of it is based on relationship with him. So there is nothing random about them. I remember what Sam Storm said. I quoted him actually last week. By the way, a lot of the teachings I'm going to be giving on spiritual gifts, they come from Sam Storms and Wayne Grudem and a few other people, but you can look them up. But I really appreciate their teachings. But Sam Storms said this. I quoted this last week. But spiritual gifts are not God bestowing to his people something external to himself. It's not like him dropping stuff from heaven. Hey, you get this, you get this. That's not it. But rather, they are not some tangible stuff or substance separable from God. Spiritual gifts, rather, are nothing less than God himself in us, energizing our souls, imparting revelation to our minds, infusing power in our wills, and working his sovereign and gracious purposes through us. Spiritual gifts must never be viewed deistically as if a God out there has sent something to us down here. Spiritual gifts are God present in with and through human thoughts, human deeds, human words, and human love. Okay, those are a lot of words, but what is he saying? It's God in you. That's why you have gifts. It's because that God who gives gifts is living within you, and as you are in relationship with him, these gifts are in operation. Does that make sense? So we must understand that. Spiritual gifts can never be separated from God himself. In fact, it's not just some supernatural stuff God gave to us. And then you say, hey, take care of them. But rather, is God himself working in particular ways, giving you certain abilities that another person might not have, but you have this ability because God decided, I'm going to use this ability in your life. And he's going to supercharge it, give you a heightened ability and effectiveness in this particular way. That is a spiritual gift. And those ways that God works often line up with your natural talents as well. So we'll look at that more later. But for example, you might have a love for knowledge. I know some of you guys, you guys spend hours online. You're you're a Redditor. (laughs) You are on Reddit all the time, looking up all kinds of stuff, gathering information. Well, before you did that for worldly purposes. But once you receive Christ, God says, okay, I live in you now, and I'm going to take that worldly desire and talent you have. I'm going to supercharge it for kingdom purposes. You're going to be a gatherer of knowledge and information for the kingdom. Amen? You're going to be a Redditor for God. <laughs> so, so praise God. God will turn oftentimes a natural ability and turn it into a supernatural gift. That's what God does. Again, we'll talk about that more later. But for now, what we need to understand is spiritual gifts can never be disconnected from a relationship with God. So what does that mean? If you're not walking with God, if you're actually in rebellion against God directly, I mean, you might have a gift, but it's going to be laying wasted in your life. You're not going to be activating them. You're not going to be working through them. God's not going to be working through them. So God works through spiritual gifts because he lives within you. And Paul makes that so clear. Look at 1 Corinthians 12. He he just makes this so clear. It's like a a nail he's just hammering repeatedly. Starting in verse 4. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all. All three persons of the Godhead involved in these gifts. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit. In other words, this is something the Spirit reveals in your life. He gives and reveals. Verse 8, to one is given through the Spirit, knowledge, wisdom, etc. Verse 8, according to the same Spirit. Verse 9, to another faith, by the same spirit. To another gifts of healing, by the one spirit. Do you see this nail 
Paul is hammering. Verse 11, all these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. So what is Paul saying? Paul is clearly emphasizing, you don't have these gifts without God living in you. They are directly connected to your relationship with God. It is by the spirit, in the spirit, through the spirit, all three persons of the Godhead are working through these gifts. Why? Because he lives in you. Now, maybe Paul emphasized that because the Corinthians had that kind of superpower view. Oh, yeah, God just kind of gave us these gifts. They're disconnected to our relationship with him. Maybe they thought they could control it whenever they wanted, however they wanted. And Paul said no. Paul said no. Maybe the Corinthians would have been great Marvel movie fans, no doubt, right? And yet Paul said no. No. His supernatural abilities from God are not like superpowers, but rather they are directly connected to him, his presence in our lives. So if that's true, then some questions kind of get raised up, right? Then what are spiritual gifts? What exactly are they? They're so connected to God in that way. Well, in order to answer that, there are four words in the New Testament, four spiritual gifts, and I think it's very helpful if we look at these words. Okay? They kind of paint a broad, like a good rounded picture. But there are four words in the New Testament for spiritual gifts. Here they are. Pneumaticon, they're all Greek. Pneumaticon, like pneuma, which is spirit. Pneumaticon, number two, charismata. That's where we get the word charismatic. Energima, that's where we get our English word energy. And then finally, diakonia, diakonia. So let's briefly look at each of these. But first, pneumaticon, okay, pneumaticon. That could be defined as a thing emanating from the Holy Spirit, exhibiting his effects and his character. That's just straight from the dictionary. Paul uses this word in 1 Corinthians 12.1, so pneumaticon. Paul said, now concerning spiritual gifts, pneumaticon, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. So what is Paul saying here? He's saying, I don't want you to be ignorant about spiritual gifts. These spiritual gifts are emanating, they're coming forth. They're coming from the Spirit of God, and they bear his character and his effects. Does that make sense? That's what spiritual gifts are, pneumaticon. But that's not all. There's another word, charismata. Spiritual gifts are also called charismata. This can be defined as the gift of divine grace. That's what it means. I used to know a little girl. her Her name was Charis. Beautiful name for a girl if you have a baby girl coming. But charis, it just simply means grace or gift, gift of God. But charismata, it is the gift of divine grace. And Paul uses this word repeatedly in 1 Corinthians 12. This might be the most common word he uses. Now there are varieties of gifts, charismata. Verse 9, to another, gifts of healing, charismata, or a variation of that. Verse 28, then there are gifts of healing, helping, administering various kinds of tongues, charismata. Verse 30, do all possess gifts of healing? Charismata. But earnestly desire the higher gifts? Charismata. So you see that. Paul repeatedly uses this word. It is a gift of God's grace. So not only do spiritual gifts come from the Spirit, coming forth from the Spirit, bearing his character and his effects, pneumaticon, they are also what? A gift of God's grace. So at at a minimum, spiritual gifts are both of those, right? But that's not all. Third word, spiritual gifts in the New Testament are also energima. This is, again, where we get our word energy. I like, I like this word, energima, right? But this can be defined as a thing produced, an effect, workings, 
Anytime some work is happening, energima, right? This is energy causing work. And Paul used this word twice in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 6. And there are varieties of activities, energimaton. He's talking about spiritual gifts. There are a variety of gifts. He calls them activities, energimas, right? Energimatons. But it is the same God who empowers energon. So he uses a different version of that same word. It's the same God who empowers these activities, these energetic activities in everyone. So here's another way Paul describes gifts. Whatever they are, they're a gift from God. They come forth from the Spirit, bearing the marks of the Spirit, His character, His effect. And they're powerful, right? They have energy. They're working. They're doing things. Okay, that's not all. Number four. And then finally, fourth word. Peter actually used this one, but it's diakonia. Okay, this is the fourth word for spiritual gifts, diakonia. And this can be defined as merely service, ministries. And Peter used this in 1 Peter 4, 10 through 11. Each believer has received a gift. There the word is charisma. Okay, so that's going back to that gift of God's grace. Use it to serve. That's where you get a version of that word, diakonia. Use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves, again, diakonia, as one who serves, diakonia, by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to him belong glory, dominion, forever and ever. Amen. Okay, so do you guys, do you guys see that? So again, let's just review. <laughs> Gifts come from the Spirit. They come forth from the Spirit, pneumaticon. They bear the marks of the Spirit, the character and the effects of the Spirit. So what does that mean? If you're doing something, calling it a spiritual gift, and it doesn't have the feel and the character of the Spirit, that's not a spiritual gift. It might even be something questionable, something sinful. That's definitely not from the Spirit. It has to bear His mark. But not only that, you didn't earn it, right? It's a free gift of God's grace. Charismata, and not only that, but it is powerful in producing effects. If you're doing something, calling it a spiritual gift, but it's doing nothing, that is not a spiritual gift because it is actually accomplishing things. Energima, and then finally, it's not just for you. It's not like, oh yeah, I love this spiritual gift because it makes me feel good, right? It will make you feel good, but that's not the purpose. It is diakonia. It is meant to serve somebody, right? Your spiritual gift should serve somebody in the church. And so that is the rounded picture of spiritual gifts. You got that? So pneumaticon, charismata, energima, diakonia, this gives the full picture of spiritual gifts. So if you were to put this all together, okay, this is how I would define spiritual gifts. But spiritual gifts are spiritual in character, pneumaticon. They are sovereignly given by God, the Holy Spirit, charismata, in order to serve others, Diakonia in the power of God, energima. Does that make sense? That's a spiritual gift. You know, going back to Sam Storms, I wanted to make sure um, this isn't heretical. <laughs> so I looked up other definitions. And this is how Storms defines spiritual gifts. A spiritual gift is a God-given and therefore gracious, right, charismata, God-given, capacity to serve the body of Christ. Spiritual gifts are nothing less than God himself in us, energizing, energima, our souls, imparting revelation to our minds, infusing power in our wills, and working his sovereign, gracious purposes through us. So that's his definition. Here's a much more simple definition, Wayne Grudem. I like how Wayne Grudem just makes it so simple. <laughs> Spiritual gift is any ability that is empowered by the Holy Spirit and used in any ministry of the church. Amen. 
So that's a spiritual gift. Okay, anything that you have received from God, it is energized and powered by the Spirit. Again, it's not just some natural ability. It has been heightened. You have this heightened ability by the Spirit to do this and is serving people, is blessing people in the church, is building people up. If you're doing that, you have a spiritual gift, brother, sister. You have a spiritual gift. So those definitions based on the New Testament should make it pretty clear, and yet it leaves a wide open, doesn't it? So, Roy, are you telling me I love making chicken parmesan, right, for people? Are you telling me that's a spiritual gift? Because I feel super empowered when I do it. I'm dang good at it. People get blessed by it. And I say, maybe. (laughs) It could be. I don't know. (laughs) So could it be a spiritual gift? It leaves her pretty wide open. Is any ability empowered by the Spirit used in any ministry of the church, is that literally a spiritual gift? Well, some are clearly spiritual gifts because the Bible calls it that. For example, teaching the Bible, organizing a ministry event. You have the gift of administration, gift of leadership. Those are listed in the Bible. Making a meal. So yeah, chicken parmesan, that is a spiritual gift because God calls hospitality a spiritual gift. You're able to host. And so we're going to come back to exactly the list of spiritual gifts. We'll talk about that next week. Come back next week. But is everything that I'm able to do to bless the body of Christ, is that a spiritual gift? Well, again, there are some gray areas, right? There are some gray areas. And so we're going to talk about this a little bit later. But there are some natural talents you have that God can turn into a spiritual gift. But there are some natural talents you have. They're just natural talents. And they just help people. They just bless others. So we'll have to look at that a little bit more. So that's what a spiritual gift is. Okay, here's the second question. But who has these spiritual gifts? So that sounds wonderful, Roy. Do I have one? Am I somebody who's blessed? Well, this answer, this question, I should say, is much easier to answer. Who has spiritual gifts? Here's the answer. Every true believer in Christ. If you have repented and put your faith in Christ, and you're a true believer, spirit-filled, you have a spiritual gift. You know, Paul makes an interesting connection between people who say Jesus is Lord by the Holy Spirit and spiritual gifts. Very interesting connection. Look at 1 Corinthians 12, 3. All the way to six. Remember, in the original, there are no verses or chapter breaks. It's just, it keeps going. Paul said, no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Again, a lot of them were drawn to pagan idolatry in the past, and they thought what they did was from the Holy Spirit. It's like, no. If you truly have the Holy Spirit, you will say Jesus is Lord. You can't say Jesus is Lord without the Holy Spirit. Yeah, that's true, right? Try evangelizing to a non-Christian family member. You know, that's true. No one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. And then he goes right on. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. He's talking about that spirit that you have causing you to say Jesus is Lord. Now, from that spirit, there are varieties of gifts and there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. That same Lord that you're confessing, those gifts come from that same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. So what is Paul saying? Well, I believe Paul is implying here, I'll tell you who has spiritual gifts. You thought you had spiritual gifts going to the pagan temples. I'll tell you. Everyone who's received the Spirit of God and says Jesus is Lord. Amen? So anyone who does that, anyone who has the Spirit, you have a spiritual gift. Why? Because Paul says the spiritual gifts come from that Spirit. Come from that Lord that you're confessing, that you possess. So spiritual gifts come to every believer who has received the Spirit of God and proclaimed Jesus as Lord. Okay, so that's clear. 
Paul makes his point even more directly, 1 Corinthians 7, 7. He said, I wish that all were just as I myself am. Here he's talking about the gift of celibacy, and right away you're thinking, no, I don't, Paul. I don't wish I were like you. That's a different sermon. But he's talking about celibacy here. I wish everybody was like me, celibate. But then he says, but each has his own gift from God, one of one kind and one of another. So setting celibacy aside, Paul's saying, don't you know, I have this gift, and I wish you had it too, but you probably don't. Why? Because everybody has different gifts. God decides who gets one. But here's the point. Every believer has one, at least one, and most likely more than one. Why? Because this is God's grace. It's just his love upon your life. So each believer has his own or her own gift from God. It is not up to us. Amen? Thank God. It's not up to you. That means you can't mess it up. Okay, you can't miss enough quiet times where God says, oh, no gift for you. (laughs) Right? You can't, like, not go to church so long that God says, oh, no gift for you. Now have your quiet times, come to church, but God gives gifts to believers, even backslidden believers, even marginal believers, meaning people on the margins. They're not that committed, but they're genuine believers. Even believers who haven't been to church in a long time, God gives gifts to anyone and everyone who truly says Jesus is Lord and has the Holy Spirit. Now these people who aren't really in walking with God, they're not going to be fruitful in them, but they have them, right? That's the point. They have these gifts. God gives true believers spiritual gifts out of pure grace. And so Paul encouraged, this is why Paul encouraged the Corinthians, eagerly desire them. Right, Corinthians, you're messed up. Right, you're so off the mark when it comes to spiritual gifts. And yet, I have to acknowledge, you have them. And eagerly desire more. God will probably give you more than one. So every true believer has at least one gift. If you're sitting here, isn't that encouraging? I love hearing things like that. It's like, I don't have to do anything. I'm here. Yes. And you have a gift? Yes. I have a gift? Yes. You already have one. And more likely, more than one. So is that clear? Who has spiritual gifts? Every true believer. Now, at this point, some of you guys, if you're thinking, if you're paying attention, you might be asking some other questions. Okay, this raises some new questions for me. And so here might be two minor questions that might be coming up. But okay, if every believer has spiritual gifts, when do you receive them? Right? Did I already receive it? When when does this happen, Roy? When do believers receive spiritual gifts? Because I've heard some say at the moment of conversion. Is that when it happens, when I get saved? Others told me that no, it comes later in life. You gotta actually seek them, eagerly desire them. So which is it? And my answer is both. (laughs) They happen both. And the reason why is because in the Bible, it looks like some people receive them at the moment of conversion. So if you look in Acts 10, Cornelius was a Gentile. He was a God-fearer, but he wasn't born again. Peter was sent there, preached the gospel, and then what happened? In the middle of Peter's sermon, and I love it when God interrupts your sermon, because God's like, you're done, okay? You don't even have to finish. But in the middle of preaching the gospel, the Spirit fell on Cornelius and their family, and in that moment, what happened? They began speaking in tongues, praying and speaking in tongues. And so they received that gift in the moment of conversion. So that happened right when they were converted. In fact, I actually knew a young woman in my college ministry. That happened to her, and I remember her sharing that. But she didn't grow up a Christian. She knew very little about Christianity or what God offers or energema, diakon. I mean, she didn't know any of these things, right? 
But all she knew is when I received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, she's like, I received this prayer language. So it just happened right on the spot, right when she was converted. And I believe that can happen with any spiritual gift. So it's not just the miraculous, but the gift of teaching, hospitality, leadership, administration, you name it. It can come in the moment of conversion. Amen. And yet, I believe that there are other gifts that don't come right away. But rather, there are gifts that only come after you have grown to a certain point and you are seeking them. You are actually now at a point where you are eagerly desiring certain gifts. And God in his sovereign grace says, okay, I want to give it to you now. I want to give it to you now. So God will do that. So here, where do I get this? But in scripture, you see this. But with the Corinthian church, were they believers? They were messed up. Right? Remember a whole sermon series on Corinthians one time a pastor preached calling it Christians gone wild. Right? But they were Christians gone wild. But here's the point. They were Christian. Because at the very opening of the letter, Paul calls them saints in Corinth. So they were believers. And what did Paul say to them? They were already flowing in the gifts. They were going bonkers, right? Over the top with gifts, especially this gift of tongues. And yet, what did Paul tell them? Don't be ignorant, but desire them. Why would he say that? Why would he say eagerly desire the gifts? Since they were already believers flowing in the gifts. Why eagerly desire them? Well, the only explanation is there must be the possibility of receiving new spiritual gifts, right? That's the only explanation. Why would Paul say that to a bunch of Christians who are already obsessed over gifts? Eagerly desire the gifts, the higher gifts. It's because there's that possibility. And then, of course, there's Paul's command to Timothy. This is even more straightforward. But he told Timothy, his disciple, 1 Timothy 4, but he said, do not neglect a gift that is in you through the laying on of hands. So the elders were gathered around him, and they prophesied and laid hands on Timothy. And so this is a weird theology, right? I remember one of my professors struggling with this, going, okay, guys, I'm going to be honest here. I struggle with this. Is Paul saying spiritual gifts get passed on through the laying on of hands? It looks like it. But I'm not going to go there, okay? But whatever that means, Timothy received the spiritual gift. It could have been the gift of evangelism, maybe the gift of shepherding. But he received this gift when? Most likely when he was already pastoring the church at Ephesus. He was already a believer. And so what does that mean? He received it long after he was converted. So it is simply not true that you receive all your gifts at the moment of conversion. I was taught that for many years. It is simply not true. That makes no sense. That would make no sense out of Paul's command to the Corinthians, eagerly desire the higher gifts. And Paul's command to Timothy, don't neglect the gift that was in you through the laying on of hands long after you were converted. Don't neglect these gifts. And so does that make sense? So the answer is both. You can receive gifts when you were converted. You probably did. And you can receive gifts later on in life as you are walking with the Lord. And in my own life, I've seen that. But I remember when I was first converted, right away, I believe I received the gift of teaching the word of God. Why? How do I know that? Because I just hungered the word, right? I shared this, but I used to sleep with a Bible under my pillow, and, you know, it's just a Bible nerd. I was a Bible nerd. <laughs> I still am. But I just loved and hungered after the Word of God. I don't know why. I just did. It got switched on. But that's not all. But every time I learned something new in Scripture, as I was reading it, I automatically had this tape, this video in my mind. And you know what the video was? It was me sitting in a Bible study, and I wasn't a leader at that time, but I was sitting in a Bible study in my mind, a virtual one. And I'm teaching this to people. Oh, I could say this, right? I could show people what this means in this way and use this analogy. And I would just always have that video playing. I still do, right? The moment I read something, I don't just 
think about myself, but I immediately say, how can I share this? What examples can I use? What illustrations? And so I knew I received that right when I was converted. But did I receive other gifts later on? Yeah. There are other spiritual gifts I received later on in life. And we don't have time to get into this other one, but I received this one other spiritual gift much later. I had already walked with God for maybe eight years, six, eight years. And I was at a conference. And I remember the pastor was on the stage speaking. And then we went into a time of prayer. And I was right there near the front just praying. And the pastor was praying. And then something happened to me. And I received the spiritual gift much later after I was converted. This was not something I was seeking out intentionally. I was open. But I wasn't seeking it out. And you're going to have to talk to me individually if you want to find out what. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you. But, yeah, if you're curious, come and ask me. I will tell you. But I received other gifts later on. And so both can happen. So is that clear? Every single believer has a spiritual gift. When do you receive them? At the moment you're converted, but also often, much later in, much later in your life. Here's another question that might have come up, but if every true believer has a spiritual gift, what's the difference between my spiritual gift and my natural talents? Okay, what are the differences? Good question. <laughs> spiritual gifts are given by God only to believers. Okay, here's the answer. Only true believers have spiritual gifts, but natural talents are obviously possessed by both believers and non-believers. So your non-Christian friend has clearly natural talents. Here's another Difference. Natural talents can bless the church, yes, but only spiritual gifts are uniquely empowered by God to build up the church. Okay, what do I mean by bless versus build up? Bless just means people are encouraged. Okay, maybe there is like just some joy that comes from it. Um, but build up means growing the church through conversion and spiritual growth. Only spiritual gifts, I believe, truly produce growth and conversions. Okay, natural talents can help. Okay, it's kind of like the oil greasing the wheels, but it's the spiritual gifts that bring the true growth. So that might seem clear, but there's a lot of gray area there, right? Okay, well, that still doesn't answer, but is this natural talent a spiritual gift? Because it seems to build up the church, but I'm not sure. And you're right. There are some gray areas because oftentimes God will take a natural talent, like the ability to lead or organize something, and he will supercharge it. He'll give you a heightened ability to now use it for the building of the church. So I remember uh, this one uh, church talking to the pastors there, and one person on the staff was actually a top-level manager at a top company. I think it was Trader Joe's. But he was a top-level manager, very successful in the business world, and then God saved him, and then now he was an elder at the church doing the same thing in the church. He was organizing, he was leading the church in administrative ways, executing different programs, and he was using it for the kingdom of God. And he was very effective. So that would be one example of a natural talent, okay, Google or Trader Joe's, and now he's doing it in the kingdom of God. So that is a gray area, I admit. But there are many that are listed in scripture that could easily be natural talents. One is teaching, hospitality, generosity, encouragement, serving. Okay, these are all things clearly non-believers have, and yet if you're a believer with this gift, it has been heightened by the Spirit you are using it to build up the kingdom of God. You know, a great example is Joseph of Arimathea in Acts 4. But he was called uh, by, I'm sorry, not Arimathea, Joseph, who was also called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. Okay, I love that. 
But Barnabas, was he encouraging as a non-believer? Probably. He was probably a really nice guy, right? Really good guy, would always like lend you his truck to go move. He'd be the guy to like go to your house and help you move, right, if you had a truck. I would never buy a truck because I don't want to help people move nonstop, right? So don't, <laughs> no, I've, I've helped people. But he'd be the guy with the truck and he would show up at your house to help you move. Okay, he was a good guy, Barnabas. And yet, when he became a believer, now he's the son of encouragement. Why? It was supercharged by the Spirit for the building of the church. And then there are times when someone has a natural talent to bless the church, but it's probably not a spiritual gift. Okay, most likely. And why do I say that? Because I always err on the side of caution. It's not listed in Scripture. So, for example, I saw this one church one time, and they had a bunch of guys in that church. They were really good with cars, fixing cars. And so they had this beautiful ministry where they would actually have anyone with a broken car, especially single mothers, come, bring your car into the church, and then they would fix it for free. Okay, what a beautiful ministry, right? And so they would do that and oftentimes bless a lot of single mothers that way. And is that a spiritual gift? The ability to fix spark plugs, right? Change the oil in 10 minutes or under, right? I don't know, but most likely not. It's not listed in scripture. The ability to fix cars really well, right? So, so you get what I'm saying. It's a little bit gray, right? It's a little bit gray. So yes, natural talents can easily be converted into spiritual gifts, but I usually err on the side of caution only if it's listed in scripture. If it's not and you're just really good at something and you're using it for the church, then it's probably just a blessing, okay? Okay, last question, and we're going to come to a close. But okay, so I know what spiritual gifts are now. I know who has them. I kind of know the difference between natural talent and gifts. But can you lose them, right? Can you lose them? And here the answer, I, I believe, from Scripture is no. Okay, no, you cannot lose your spiritual gifts, because I believe the Bible teaches that. The Bible teaches that. Paul said in Romans eleven twenty nine, 29, for the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. I'll say that again. The gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. Once he gifts you and calls you, he does not take that back. Now, some of you guys might argue if you're a Bible buff, you might be going, hey, Roy, not so fast. <laughs> Paul's talking about Israel here. He's talking about the covenant he had with Israel, and you're right. So maybe we can't use that for spiritual gifts. You're right. <laughs> this is about Israel. Although I would argue everything true about Israel is not true about the church. But you're right. This is about Israel. Then let's move on. Well, you can find this elsewhere. You don't lose your spiritual gifts. But rather, what can happen? They can diminish in strength and intensity. You can actually grow weaker. It's kind of like a muscle. Right? If you don't exercise your muscles, what happens? Do you lose all your muscle tissue? No, they're still there. They're just very weak. They're very weak. They're shrunken. Right? Can they go away? I don't know. Some of you doctors, maybe you could tell me, educate me on this, but can they actually disappear, your muscle tissue? Maybe. <laughs> but I do know they weaken, right? They diminish in size. And that's the way it is with spiritual gifts. They diminish. They weaken. And so Paul makes it very clear in 1 Timothy 4, do not neglect the gift you have. So you can neglect them, which was given you by prophecy when the council of the elders laid their hands on you. Practice these things. Devote yourself to them so that all may see your progress. And then later, later on, he said in 2 Timothy 1.6, For this reason, Timothy, I remind you, fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. So what is that? Paul is saying, look, Timothy, you have this gift from God. It came through the laying on of hands. It's in you. 
the gift and calling of God are irrevocable. So God will never take it away, but it can diminish. You can neglect it, and I think you have been, Timothy. You've been neglecting it. And so then what happens? Paul uses imagery of a, of a candle wick, right? A light. It's starting to go down. It's starting to get weak, Timothy. So I want to encourage you. I want to remind you, fan it into flame. Okay, grow it. Focus on it. You've been gifted by God. Use it for the glory of God. Use it for the church. People need it, right? They need it. And so in a way, Paul is saying, don't be selfish. And that's what it is. If you have a spiritual gift and the body of Christ desperately needs it, but you take no time to understand it and exercise it, then at the end of the day, we are being selfish. You're being selfish. And so can you lose your gift? No, that's not the concern. But can you neglect it? Yes. And can people not benefit from it? Yes, they cannot benefit from it. And so we come to a close, but Paul's commands are clear. Okay, the church desperately needs your gift, brothers and sisters. And so, so many Christians, they go through life not even knowing that they have a spiritual gift. And even if they know it, they're neglecting it. You know, these are two images I had in my mind. But one image comes from a kind of our side of the gift. But these gifts are meant to bless the church. They're meant to bless you too. But it's kind of like an app that I had on my phone. I never even knew I had it. But when I bought this phone, there was an app on my phone that changed my life. <laughs> but it was a calendar app, and it had a, a stopwatch and an alarm clock, and it did a, did a bunch of things. It does a bunch of things. And I use it every single day. It changed my life. And yet, when I first got the phone, I didn't even know I had it, right? It was just sitting there in my phone this whole time. And so imagine the kind of gifts that are latent in you, and yet you have never taken the time to understand them or exercise them, and it's just kind of like this app on my phone just kind of wasting away. And so you are not being blessed by it, and others are not as well. But then from God's point of view, it's a little different. This is another image I got, but I remember going over to a family member's house one time. I think this was like maybe a few months after Christmas, and we took our time to buy this gift. We spent money, we researched, we did all this stuff, and we finally gave this gift to our family member. And a few months later, I went to their house, and I was digging in their closet to get something, right, some coffee pods or something, and then I look going, oh, my goodness, this gift is still here unwrapped. <laughs> there are probably five of those in our closet, <laughs> so, so I'm not judging them. But, but it's like, you never even opened this, right? And so my heart just sank a little bit. It's like, oh, you never opened it. You never even used it. How dare you? And so that could be God's attitude towards us. More than that is probably grief. He's probably grieving. You never even looked at my gift. And all the more, how much more should we look at them and understand them and use them if it is for the building up of his church? Amen. Especially when so many people are depending on it. So with that, let's just come before the Lord. Um, let's bow our heads. But we're just kind of going through these different questions every Sunday. So I'm going to end there. You'll have to come back to find out more about what kinds of gifts are there and how to discover these gifts and are the miraculous gifts still for today? Those are all questions we will answer. But for now, I think it's enough to know you have a gift. It is a gift of God. It is for the serving and the building up of the body. It is empowered by the living God himself who raised Jesus from the dead. Think about that word, energima, energy. There is supernatural energy that flows through you when you are exercising your spiritual gifts. And you can't control that. It's all through a relationship with God. 
It is not at your beck and call. It's up to God. But God will work through it if you are in relationship with him. But imagine, imagine how amazing that is. Imagine how fulfilling and yet more, more importantly, how necessary for others, people right here, people in your community, people all around us, they need your spiritual gift. So let's just come before him. Let's just, let's ask God, God, please help me. Help me, Lord. I've neglected your gift. Maybe you can confess that. Yes. That package that's still in its wrapping in the closet, that's my spiritual gift. I've never opened it. I've never even looked at it to see what it is. Yes, God, that's me. Let's just come before the Lord. Let's confess that.